morning to you guys. How you guys doing out there? Never gets old. When you think about it, it never gets old. And I can hear you guys out there say, woo, we're doing good. And maybe it's the nine o'clock service. Maybe it's the 11 o'clock service. Maybe it's the six o'clock service, wherein I wouldn't say good morning to you guys. I would say good evening. But regardless, we do care how you're doing out there. So right now, as this service begins and you guys are plopping down and commenting below, we want it to be an interactive service where you're able to put your comments in the comment section and even prayer requests. Let us know where you're watching from. Maybe post a selfie watching or your group photo. And here's one of the cool things we're trying to do as we navigate through this quarantine, through this lockdown, through this war on coronavirus. That's really what's happening and we're all doing our best. One thing we wanna do is continue though to meet together and to unify as best as we can while maintaining that six foot radius and doing what the governor and what the president says and really being cautious for those compromised community members that we wanna care for. That's why we're doing this. That's why we've canceled all the services at South Beach Church. We're not gathering there anymore and we're putting together everything we can to make it as best as we can so we can grow. Listen as much as we can. So here's what else I want you guys to do along with taking photos of your group and smiling and posting all that stuff. Put in there, hashtag, we're in this together. Okay, so just put hashtag, we're in this together and we'll kind of see all that kind of combined with other people that are fighting through this as well. And so one of the things that the devil wants to do, my life and yours, is to trick us into thinking that we're not in this together, that we're isolated and alone. And one of the things that's actually helped me as a pastor and as a husband and as a dad and as a friend, check this out, this is nuts, is realizing that this is happening everywhere, everywhere. We're, not only are we in this together, but it's not just happening to a couple of people, it's happening to the whole world. And at that point, you who are people of faith, and if you're not a person of faith, you're just watching and wondering what this guy with this glorious beard is saying. Listen, the people of faith, we have an understanding of who God is that he's the father of all, that he controls all things. And he's got our attention right now. <laughs> I keep using the word opportunity because I stole that word from Jesus in Luke chapter 21 when he talked about the end and the, the shaking and the quaking. And, and he, he talked about the persecutions and the uprisings. He said in all those things in Luke 21, he said, it will be for you who are believers an opportunity for testimony, an opportunity to show the Lord, to be real and authentic, to be available, to, to be the church. It's so all I want to encourage you. And maybe, again, if you're not a person of faith, you're just watching or you're invited to a, to a watch party, whether you struggle with your belief in God, I just want you to know something. God doesn't struggle with his belief in you. He loves you. And he's got your attention. Your, your ground has been shook. The rug has been ripped out. The table's been flipped. And if you are a person of faith, God loves you so much that he promised in John 15, he promised. He said, if you produce fruit, you're a fruit producer, love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, meekness, and self-control. If you're a fruit producer, I'm gonna prune you so you produce more fruit. I'm gonna take things away. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pare things down. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get those distractions. Raise your hand if you have some distractions in your life, some things that have been getting in the way, just like, just not bad things, just distractions. Man, everybody's hands are raised. A couple of people just lied and didn't raise your hands. It's funny. So God's... God's so committed to you. Just like I am to my kids. I got three kids. And if I see them acting a fool, if I see them blowing it, if I see them getting out of their lane, I will intervene. I will. Because I'm mad at them? No. Frustrated with them? No. Because I have love for them. <laughs> I want them to be so cared for. Guys, our Heavenly Father loves you. He loves you right now. He loves you. He loves you in your, your marriage and your singleness and your youth and your, your oldness. He loves you right where you're at. And he's shaking us up. So I'm so glad you're tuned in. We're in this together. I'm being shook. I'm being tested. I'm being stirred. And I want to encourage you guys. Now here's the, the announcements of the day. Is, is everything's canceled. All the, all the groups, all the meetings, you guys know this. A couple of people are still surprised that we're canceling. They're asking why we're canceling. It's illegal not to cancel, okay? They're not canceling faith. They're canceling gatherings. Faith is not canceled. The Bible declares where two or more are gathered. Oh, he's right there. He's there. Check this out. David went next level in Psalm 23. He actually said, yea, in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to fear no evil because he's there. So whether it's just you and the Lord, he's there. That's not canceled. 
or whether it's you and a homie or two or three or six gathered. No more than 10, by the way, that's illegal. But if it's just a couple of you gathered, he's right there. So, so we're not gathering at church, but we are gathering here. And it is not ideal. Nobody said it was. But it is where we're at. And if you study the scriptures, there are a myriad of verses where the situation and the scenario was not ideal. And yet the men and women of God continue to press in and to produce fruit. Your situation, my situation is not ideal. And we live in Lincoln County. Okay, it's still, it's still okay here as of right now. I don't know. In other parts of the world, it's even less ideal. And yet God is still the king. He's still ruling and reigning. He's still the one who's doing things. And I need you and me to stand firm on that. If you guys remember on Thursday, I think it was March 12th, I went outside at the church there with the staff and we, we all separated and, and I asked God for a word. I needed guidance during this time. I didn't know we would be where we're at now. I really didn't know where the road was going, but I asked God for guidance. And he gave me those three words, those three succinct words. The first one was to stand and to lead and to be courageous. That's good stuff. And I have had to go back to that in my times of weakness and fear and insecurity and, and depression and, and, and overwhelmedness. Stand, lead, be courageous, okay? That's the word from God. But he also said right after that, he said, rest in me, Luke. Just rest, man. I'm good. Jesus said seven things on the cross. And one of those things he said was, it is finished. It's done. The work has been done already. And so his exhortation to me and to you in this time of testing, listen, is to rest. Do you guys remember that time where Jesus got in the boat? He did it multiple times with his disciples and a storm would come up on the Sea of Galilee. Do you remember what Jesus was always doing? He's always resting. He's always sleeping. And he looked at his disciples and he said, you of little faith, did I not tell you? We're going to the other side. Jesus instructed them, we're going to the other side. That was the word that they had to hang on to. And he didn't say we're going to the middle of the sea to sink. So we're going to the other side. And the storm was real. Guys, this storm's real. Like, it's real. And yet Jesus is real. Rest in him. And the third thing, and I don't want to reteach what I've already taught, but it has been so paramount for me in this time. Not just to stand and lead and to be courageous, but to rest in him. And the third thing was to pray and to teach his people to pray. Teach me to pray is what the disciples said to Jesus. Which is just, we don't, man, we see you praying, we just don't. They were with Jesus Christ for three years. Okay, the best teacher, the best Bible college, the best example you could ever have. And yet somehow, listen, listen, they had waned in their discipline of pursuing God. Let me ask you a quick question. How many out there in your Christianity you're a Christian, you go to church, you, you tithe, you, you, you worship, you, you don't do certain things, you do certain things, but you would say it's pretty easy to get lazy or sloppy in your praying. It's just, nah, I'll be the first to admit it. And so the Lord said, Luke, I want you to pray like never before. And, and, and when I hear that, I kind of spaz out in my flesh. I'm like, what does that mean? You know, hours in prayer. I think it, I think it is as free as seek me in all things in walks in the forest with your family. Just seek me. Seek me like never before. For, for sure, on your knees, praying with your journal out, writing and just really disciplined times, but just be more interested in me. Can you imagine if that's what the Lord's doing right now? Hey guys, I noticed you're real, real busy. You're, man, no, nobody's resting. You're all very, very distanced. And now's an opportunity to rest with your family, to be home. This is so unique, frustrating for us extroverts out there, but it's an opportunity. And so I wanna encourage you guys to, to do that. Now, a lot of people at this time are struggling because we don't have church, I'm not spoon feeding you, you know, you're not, you're not coming to Narcotics Anonymous, you're not coming to Celebrate Recovery, you're not going to youth group, you're not coming to young adult group, you're not going to the mom's group, you're not going to the men's group, you're not going to the women's group, like <laughs> no groups are, and everyone's like, ah! You know, morning worship got canceled. And, and so I got to just tell you guys, I want you to do a few things. Number, number one, I want you guys to be going through the March reading program, okay? Southbeachchurch.org. You can download the PDF there and it will guide you through how to do this. It's a five by five program, five chapters a week, five minutes roughly a day. There's five questions on the back. 
And you can just go through this. And if you're asking, how do I press into the Lord more? Right there, it's easy. Just download it, man. We're in the book of Galatians now. Okay, today's Sunday, you're watching this. And Galatians 3 is where you probably read or are going to read. I actually got a message earlier from a friend who said, Galatians is hard to understand. I said, let me just break it down for you. Paul planted a church in Galatia. And then he went and planted more churches elsewhere. And the Christians in Galatia loved Jesus and loved the gospel and the doctrine. Then some people came in and gave him more to do. They tricked him. They said, hey, you're a Christian? Cool, 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 cool. Have you been keeping the Sabbaths? Have you been, have you been, have you been circumcised? Have you been doing the law? And they said, oh. And they began to get, listen, legalistic and bound up. And so Paul had to write him a letter, kind of unbind him. He said, guys, what? And he asked him a few questions. And let me just, okay, we're about to get into a time of worship in just a minute here. Oh, this is so fun. Paul writes to the Galatians. And in chapter three, there's two verses I want to point out to you this morning as you read them. Number one is verse 11 out of chapter three, Galatians 3, 11. It says, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, listen, for the just shall live by faith. Paul writing to the Galatians said to them, guys, if you want to keep living, you're already saved, good job. How are you staying saved? How are you staying living? It's by faith. It's by faith. It's not by works. It's not by the law. It's not by anything else. It's by faith. And he exhorted them because they'd gotten into this religious system. And let me just go ahead and connect the dots. Right now, we, the church, me, you, all of us, we really have no choice but right now to live by faith. There's no systems. There's no gathering. There's, it's all, it's all, we might get it back in a couple weeks or months. I don't know. I don't know. But right now, if you want to keep living, man, forge pathways of faith. Then he said something else. In verse 24, I want you guys to see this. It says in verse 24, chapter 3, it says, therefore, it's a big word, therefore, it's there for a reason. The law, what, what he's saying is, is not what we need right now. The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law that points out our fallacies and faults and failures. It's actually a tutor. It reminds you, you can't do it. I can't do it. And when you're reminded that you can't do it and you're pressing into him, it's to lead you to Christ. So here's what else I wanna tell you. We're gonna worship in just one minute. During this time of quarantine, rest, courage, prayer, okay, read the Bible. Can I encourage you also to, to journal and to listen? If you go ask the Lord to speak to you during this time, Get ready. He will dump out his heart upon you. Just you wanting to know what he has to say honors him and he will speak to you. I would also encourage you who are stuck at home to take communion. Check this out. I'm gonna put this out there. Take communion. I'm gonna say it every day. Take communion every day. Okay, it doesn't have to be the perfect little cups that we have at the church. It doesn't have to be the crackers we get at JC Market, you know. Just get creative. You take the body and the cup and you remember who Jesus is. And you plead the blood. You plead the blood. See, the Passover celebration, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, came upon the nation of Egypt. And a plague was overcoming and overshadowing Egypt. And as that plague overshadowed Egypt, they took lambs and cut the lambs' throats and took the blood and applied it to the doorposts of their homes. They put some blood there in the Old Testament on the top of the threshold and at the sides and at the bottom. It was a perfect cross. And for thousands of years, they would celebrate the Passover celebration, remembering and lamb's blood would be spilled. Jesus comes on the scene thousands of years later, 2,000 years ago, and he says, guys, it's Passover. And he took wine and he took some bread. He said, this wine represents my blood that's about to be spilled. This bread represents my body, which is about to be broken. Take and eat, take and drink. For in so doing, you remember me, proclaiming my death until I return. Guys, if you wanna press in during this time, you wanna redeem it, not just wait, you know, thumbs twiddling, checking the clock, you know, and watching a bunch of fake news. Instead of that, press into the Lord, read your Bible, take communion with your family, so radical. And let me just stretch it out a little bit further. As you take communion and you plead the blood, may you plead the blood over the doorposts of your homes. And may you ask Jesus, may you, with your family, 
Jesus, would you protect us from the coronavirus? Would you protect us from this plague? Protect us. And ask, and just seek the Lord in that way. He has protected you from sin and from death eternally, okay? You who are believers, man, you are saved by the blood of the Lamb. And yet we're still in the war. And I would encourage you during this time, do not give up ground, but instead press in. Take more ground than you've ever taken before. What we're gonna do now is we're gonna worship the Lord together. Pastor Ryan has put together a worship video. And as this video plays, now's the time to turn your headphones up if you're watching alone or if you got the sound bar, turn it up. Or... And as this video plays and you have the opportunity to sing to Jesus, maybe the environment you're in doesn't allow for singing, but you can connect so deeply to Jesus as the, as the words will be on the screen and, and he's right with you. And if your group would, would, would sing together, it would be awesome just to sing. Can you imagine the Lord right now in heaven looking at planet Earth, little groups, the church scattered, gathering, congregating, seeking, worshiping. How cool is that? I love big worship services and big church. I love it. And I think the Lord right now is so pleased at his body gathering together with humbled, worshipful hearts. Second Chronicles 7 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, I will heal their land. And I would encourage you, right now is the time to seek the Lord. So I'm gonna pray. And ask God to bless you guys as you enter into your groups. If you're a home leader right now, just man, get ready to turn it up. And it's just gonna, it's gonna keep playing. So Lord, in Jesus' name, we worship you. We choose to worship you. Lord, in the midst of our shaking, in the midst of our quaking, in the midst of uncertainty, we look to you. Like King Jehoshaphat said in 2 Chronicles 20, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so would you be honored in that, Lord? Bless the worshipers now. Bless us, soften our hearts. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us, Lord, and lead us. Thank you for your blood and for your body, Lord, broken and spilt for us. Help us to respond now. Lord, bless me, draw people in. Those who don't know the truth, those who aren't yet saved, do it even now during this time, we pray. Use this opportunity, Lord, to seek you. So bless my friends, bless me now as we worship you in Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you. 
Why don't you take your Bibles, and I think we're going to have the text up there for the text that I read as well, but why don't you take your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter 8. And I want to go to Acts chapter 8 and maybe take a little break, a little hiatus from Revelation. We've been going through Revelation. We're in chapter 16, and last week we looked at Acts chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 21, and, and last week we looked at the church, Acts chapter 4, and, and Peter and John had gotten in trouble. And when they were in trouble, they went to their own companions, you remember that, and then they prayed, and they prayed in two ways that I, I want to reflect upon just quickly. They prayed to God, and they remind, reminded themselves who he is. He's a big God, the God who created heavens and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And then they also prayed to God, reminding themselves what God has said, his word. His word is a light for our path, a lamp for our feet. It doesn't return void. It shows us what is and isn't. It discerns. And guys, as we get through this, man, Stay founded on God's word. Your stock market, your, your health, your economic situation, your, your freedom, all that is in question. This book is not, okay? Remember what God has said. Stay firmly founded. So in Acts chapter eight, there, there's another story. And, and, and as we look into this, a lot of people have been asking me, and maybe you're asking yourself, is this the end? Is this Armageddon? Is this part of doomsday? Which reminds me, by the way, the doomsday clock recently moved. In 1947, a group of scientists got together and they put together a doomsday clock. It was an algorithm counter based on society's actions and norms and practices. And they decided that in 1953, 73 years ago or so, that there was seven minutes left until midnight based on what was going on in 1953. And the time adjusted. And in 1991, when the, when the Cold War ended, it dropped back to 17 minutes before midnight. And slowly but surely, as different people groups grow in their technology and advancements and nuclear warfare, and then with pollution and the rest of the things and plagues. And so in 2019, it got bumped up to two minutes before midnight. And just this year, 2020, the scientists got together. There's an hour and a half long program you can watch on the announcement. And they announced that in 2020, the scientifically, mathematically figured out algorithm clock says that there's 100 seconds until midnight. Now, I don't know anything about that. That may or may not be true. One thing I do know, the Bible actually declares that today, today, if you're watching this, it's today, just guaranteed it's today, 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 today is the day of salvation, right now. 
That's what's going on right now. Doomsday, schmoomsday. Scientists with their clocks. Look it up, it's kind of cool. But I would say this, right now, you have full capacity to react and to be the person that God wants you to be and to receive from God what he has for you. And so here's what I want us to focus on today in the short time we have left. I'm gonna try and preach for 20 minutes. Give me, just give me, we'll try. Don't quote me on that because I have no idea what's gonna happen next, but I'm gonna do my best. Okay, got it. So here's what I wanna do today. Acts chapter eight. In Acts chapter eight, some things come into the church that they didn't expect. Some things come into the church, listen, that they didn't invite. And so let me ask you a question. Have you ever had things come into your life that you didn't expect and that you didn't invite, listen, that messed everything up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Things you didn't invite, didn't expect, and all of a sudden, <laughs> your whole life is messed up. Has that ever happened to you? Has that, yeah, okay, if you're like more than one day old, the answer is yes. Next question. Have you ever had anything come into your life that was unexpected or uninvited, that messed everything up, and it actually caused things to become better? Like it actually caused things to become better. You didn't expect it, you didn't invite it, you didn't want it, and after it was all said and done, you're like, oh, dang, that's better. I'm actually glad that happened. That actually, that actually is better. Listen, no matter what happens to the church, no matter what happens to the church, from the outside or the inside, okay? God will redeem all things to work together for good, for those who are called by his name and love him and walk according to the spirit. That's what the Bible says, Romans eight twenty eight. He says that all things are working together for good, no matter what. It's hard to understand this sometimes when we see things initially and we, we think that's horrible or we think that's awesome. It reminds me of the 2000 year old story of the farmer whose horse ran away one day. And his neighbor said, oh man, that's horrible. Your horse ran away and the farmer responded. He said, how, how do we know? He said, what are you talking about? And because the next day, the horse came back with 12 other wild horses. This guy just doubled up. He's got 13 horses now. And his neighbor said, that's amazing. That's so good. And the farmer said, how do you know? Because the next day, his son was taming one of those wild horses and got bucked off and broke his leg. And his neighbor said, oh, that's horrible. And the farmer said, how do you know? Because the very next day, that particular village went to war with its neighboring town. And they came to get the son, and because of his broken leg, he couldn't go to war, and he was saved from battle. Oh, the neighbor replies, that's so good. Well, how do you know? Because while those men were at war and in battle, they won victoriously. They came out heroes and with much spoil and wealth, and they came back rich, and the son missed out. And the neighbor said, oh, that's terrible. And the farmer replied, how do you know? Because as soon as those men got back with this rich and spoil and heroism, they went to town and partied in the bars and got arrested and they're in jail to this day. And the neighbor said, oh, that's terrible. And the farmer responded, well, how do you know? And the story goes on and on and on and never ends. And I guess, here's my point. Here's my point. We wanna know what's going on <laughs> all the time, do we not? I wanna know what's going on. You tell me to read a book, why? You, you tell me to lift a weight, why? You tell me to eat something good that's green and looks like a tree and it's you know, brought you, why? Why, why should I eat that? And you find out, do this and you'll get that. This is how it is. Lift these weights, get some muscles. Read some books, get some brains. Eat some veggies, get some vitamins. We know this, okay? The problem is, the problem is, we don't like to do things. We don't like to see things. We don't like to accept things that we don't know what's going on. This is where we get to study God's word and see that no matter what is going on, our God is good. Our God has a plan. Our God is faithful. Our God wants us to simply trust him. When God came to Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm gonna bless you, homie. I'm gonna do things for you that you could never imagine. All I want you to do, get your family and let's go. Walk off your map, follow me. Abraham thought to himself, that sounds crazy. I don't know how that's gonna work. Let's do it. <laughs> and God looked at Abraham, he's like, are you for real? You just gonna follow me like that? You just gonna trust me in the unknown? And Abraham's like, yeah. And God says, you're my homie, you're my friend. And I would just encourage you right now, whatever's going on in your life, God is gonna do something. Now let me qualify that. In your life right now, there will also be pain. There will be frustration. There will be tests. There will be loss. There will be difficulty. And that does not negate the fact that God is doing exactly what he set out and is intending to do in your life. See, we tend to think that if it's hard or bad or difficult or confusing, it can't be good, it can't be God. 
The opposite is true. And so during this time of testing, specifically church right now, where it is really weird. I mean, we're talking, I had to pinch myself every once in a while and be like, is this really happening? Like for real, real, real happening? This is so weird. And so what's God doing? And God would say, I don't know. What do you think I'm doing, Luke? What have I been doing this whole time? How do I work? What do I do? What's my angle? What's my agenda? What's my mode of operation? And as we look to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I'm gonna read you a story. It's in the book of Acts, chapter eight. And then Acts chapter eight, check this out. This applies to the church today, right now. Parallel story. See, the church had been meeting in Jerusalem for about six, maybe eight years. Jesus had been in heaven. The church had been gathering. Things were going great. Their services were online. They were printing Jesus's real hoodies all over Jerusalem. It was legit. And then Stephen gets saved. And Stephen starts walking with the Lord. And Stephen in Acts chapter seven begins to preach. And Stephen gets in a fight with some of the Pharisees. And he gets killed in Acts chapter seven. And in Acts chapter seven, it gets so hard in Jerusalem, listen, that the church can't gather anymore. Their buildings, gone. Jesus' real hoodies in the press there at the church, gone. They can't gather, they're scattered. And I'm just gonna read these verses to you because what God does next, because if you just read it in context and said, really, Stephen died? That's horrible. How do we know? Or if you looked in context and said the church couldn't meet anymore, that's horrible. How do we know? Or if the church had to then leave Jerusalem like we'll see and couldn't be there where it all began, how horrible. How do we know? I'm gonna read it to you, check this out. It says verse one of chapter eight. Now Saul was consenting to his death, that is Stephen's. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles stayed back in Jerusalem because they were the pastors, they were the leaders. Listen, I really believe this is true. Instead of running, they stayed. See, they had ran one time before at the cross when Christ was arrested and crucified. They ran from him, made a mistake. And I believe this time they're, they're gonna go down with a ship. And I applaud them for that. But the rest of the church, man, the persecution was so great by this man named Saul, who, by the way, would become Paul. God is so good that he takes this man who is vehemently against Christ and even took that situation and made good of it. But the church was scattered. And I don't know if you notice what it said right there in verse one, they were scattered in Judea and Samaria. Bible students, pay attention. This is Acts 8.1, which is a direct fulfillment of the prophecy given in Acts 1.8. 1.8, prophecy from Jesus Christ, fulfilled in Acts 8.1. Eight years later, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power and be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They've been doing that for eight years. And in Judea, they'd never done that. And in Samaria, they would never do that. And in the uttermost parts of the world, they had no desire to do that. And Jesus said, that's what's gonna happen. And eight years into it, friends, listen. Eight years into it, they hadn't done what Jesus said to do, which is to go beyond their four walls, Jerusalem, us four no more, bar the door, holy huddle, Bible bubble. They, they just stayed there. It was comfortable, man. We like Jerusalem. The Starbucks is right there in the corner and I got my thing and I'm just, and the Lord says, it's over. It's time to go. Where are we going? Judea, Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the world. You see, what happens in our lives is we tend to read things differently than God does. When you get that pink slip, when there's a situation or a stress in a relationship, when things don't go your way, we think, oh man, this is horrible. How do you know? What if it's the Lord? See, God guides our lives through open doors. We love those. He also guides our lives through closed doors. We don't tend to like that. We don't like it when God closes doors. Matter of fact, if God closes a door on me, you know what I do first? I call it locksmith. I'll get this door open, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Lord, I'm here, the door's locked. I got you though, bro. The Lord says, Luke, don't open doors I close, bro. Leave them because I'm guiding you. Here, the church in an unfortunate, not ideal situation was scattered. Jesus said something interesting about the church. He said, the church is the salt of the earth, the light of the world. 
Let's just talk about light and salt quickly. Light, when compounded into a concentrated form, becomes a laser, okay? Very powerful. But it doesn't really bring great illuminescence, and it actually can hurt you if it's pointed right at your eyeballs. It's just too... But, but light, when spread around, illumination and illuminescence, the Christians, when, when they're spread around, it adds light to the world. Jesus said that. You know what else he said? He said, you're the salt of the earth. Did you know that the body, the average body, requires about a teaspoon of sodium or salt per day. That's how much sodium you need to actually live. Like, sodium's not bad. Once you go beyond that, then things get weird. But you need about a teaspoon of sodium. Can you imagine if you woke up every day, so I need a teaspoon of sodium, and you just start off every day with a teaspoon of sodium, like, oh, there's my salt, oh, you know, it's too much. The church is like that sometimes. I'm just saying, just think about it. A bunch of guys, it just, it, we just, we get, man, we're all together. It's pretty fun, you know? It's just concentrated. And the Lord says, you know what would be It'd be better is if that salt were just spread out throughout the world. I could actually do more. Just think about it. I could do more. Instead of just gathering at churches on Sundays and feeling like you're a Christian because you showed up and you went to church and you got a hoodie and you, you sung a song and you, ah, man, I can't wait till Sunday. What about Monday through Saturday? How's that salt getting out? When the salt gets out of the shaker, when the church gets out, right now you're in homes, you're all over the place, and God has opened a door for us. And it didn't come at a cheap cost. This required Stephen's life. His blood was shed. Guys, when Jesus' blood was shed, immediately, immediately, the second thing out of Jesus Christ's mouth on the cross, today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus started saving people. How? Through his death. Stephen died. People start getting saved. The church right now can't meet. Oh, what do we do? We just gotta wait six weeks. Gotta wait till Pastor Luke gets back into the church, you know? Dude, you gotta, you gotta wait for nothing. You don't gotta wait for nothing. It's go time. It's time to go. Look what Philip does. Look at verse two. It says, and devout men, they carried Stephen to his burial. They made great lamentation over him. It was a sad day. I just, I just wanna be real. I am, I'm actually, I'm happy, but I'm actually deeply sad. Because I don't know what the heck's going on. And I think it's okay to be sad. I think it's okay to mourn the, the loss of what we, what we once knew. Even in this short time, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. I mean, I wish I did. And I'm trying to be strong and courageous and lead and rest and pray. These guys, Stephen was dead. And can I just encourage you, if you're over, if you've if you broke down, then join the club. It's okay. We're in this together. Verse three, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. I just wanna say something. I don't wanna necessarily talk about Saul, but I need you to see this because this is happening in the story. This is a crazy story, church history. It's like, what did he do? He went into people's homes, drug them off and tossed them into jail. Let me just say something. This guy, Saul, would in the next chapter, nine, be saved. And the things he did, he did. People were arrested. People were killed. And you know what God said? He says, all, I'm going to forgive you. You didn't start off right. You started off wrong. I got a plan for you. And if you're watching the service right now and your life hasn't been right, hasn't been lined up with God, you've been wrong, God wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He can take you. Anybody. Saul's like the worst sinner. He actually called himself the chief of sinners. And Jesus said, you know, no, just write this down so I'm going to think this through. Not, did, not only did Saul get saved eventually in the next chapter, you know what God used Saul to do? He's like, hey, Saul, I got a special job for you. I need you to write the Bible. <laughs> he wrote 13, if you're like me, you believe 14 books of the New Testament. He wrote the doctrine of the church, the theology, the rules, the rights, the wrongs. This guy, you know what that says? It says that God can save anybody from the uttermost to the guttermost, okay? Right now, you're freaking out. Things are uncertain. You, you need to focus on how big your God is. He does things that only he can do. Okay, next verse. I gotta, gotta hustle here. Verse four. Therefore, another therefore. Because Saul's arresting everybody, because the persecution was so great, listen, this is where the church comes in. You, you, Lyle, Elaine, Dave and Linda, Joe and Arla. Jillian, 
Ryan, you guys, my friends, Ollie, thinking about you, man. Church, who's in the church? Chris, Chris and Melissa, you guys at the church. Look at what it says. Therefore, verse four, those who were scattered, that's me, that's you, went everywhere preaching the word. It says, then Philip went down to Samaria and he preached Christ to them. Stop right there, eyes up here. Because of this great persecution, oh no, eight years the church has been going great. Eight years has been so fun. All of a sudden they can't meet anymore. What should we do? I don't know. Go to Judea, maybe Samaria. What should we do on the way there? Preach the word. Oh, okay. Literally and simply, it means they talked about Jesus everywhere they went. Guys, this is an opportunity. I don't know if you know who I am. I'm Luke Frechette. And I talk about Jesus just about everybody that will listen. Everywhere I go, I try and talk about Jesus. That's kind of my job. I get paid to do it. I get excited about doing it. I, I love doing it, okay? And I'm, do, I'm doing that, but that's, that's not enough. You, you who know him, you who know him, get to talk about him as well to everybody. And I'm telling you what, right now, I have chosen in the last 10 days or however long this thing's been going on, I have chosen to bring up Jesus and to be point blank emphatic with the people that I'm talking to and to pray with people at Fred Myers or at their homes or at the park or at the drive-through. I've been praying, it's been so fantastic. Okay, I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm good to go. What about you? Are you good to go? Would you, would you do it with me? You ask your neighbor, can I pray for you? <laughs> yeah! No. Ask the teacher, the bus drivers that dropping off the school, Lincoln County School District, man. Hey, can I pray for you guys? <laughs> People want to be prayed for right now. People are prime. <sighs> preach the word. I, I, I study to preach. I, I prepare. I look up Greek words. I, you know, I have microphones. I preach. Okay. It's actually easier to go everywhere you go preaching Jesus. It's actually easier. It's way more efficient. Just talk to everybody. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. Can I pray for you? If every single person just preached to the people they're with, whether it's your husband or wife or your kids, Okay, the salt would get out of the shaker. This is how the church grows. Jesus Christ prophesied, this is how I'm gonna plant the church, I'm gonna do this. And it came at the cost of Stephen's life. Right now we have a cost, okay? We're praying for Italy, praying for China, we're praying for New York, praying for Washington, praying for California, praying for Oregon. There's suffering, there's a cost, okay? Okay, then what? Preach Jesus to everyone. I need you to see this because Philip's so awesome. Philip, 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 who's Philip? Look at verse five. Then Philip, verse five, went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. I would say this, Samaria, not gonna get into the history, was a people group that nobody, if you were a Jew or a Christian, wanted to go hang out with. They were half Jewish, half Assyrian. They were half, they were all messed up. They didn't, they were, it was, it was all messed up. And so where does Philip go? Samaria, Samaria. He's gonna to go to the people that need it the most. It says in verse six, and I just got a few more verses and we're done. And the multitude with one accord, what? Heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Stop right there, eyes up here. Final thoughts. Philip went to Samaria. Maybe he was running, I don't know what to do. And as soon as he got there, everyone's like, what's going on, dude? I heard about some crazy persecution. What's going on in the world? And he preached Jesus. It wasn't a program, it wasn't a denomination, it wasn't a Bible study, he preached a person. Can I just make it that simple? Okay, preach Jesus to people. It's gotta be Jesus. Don't, don't tell them about South Beach Church or about Pastor Luke. Man, pray for people, tell them about Jesus Christ. That's what they need to hear. And the Bible says right here that they heeded the things that they saw and heard by Philip. He's just a normal guy. He's a waiter. You can see his story in Acts chapter 7. He's there preaching now. And the Bible says that those who were lame, those who were paralyzed, those who had unclean spirits were healed. You can't heal people. You can't save people. But Jesus can. Okay? Jesus can. Jesus said if a salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. You know where the salt comes from? Jesus himself. You got nothing, I got nothing. But when we have Jesus, we have everything. And joy was the barometer. Joy was the thermometer. Joy was where everywhere Philip went. And I would just encourage you. And I'm just gonna be real honest right now. In this time, last 10 days or whatever it is, and I have see, I've had, in my own heart, I've had seasons of super, 
deer in the headlights. What is happening? Like those guys must have when Stephen died. Like what? That's the first martyr. I don't know if you know church history. No one had died yet. Church history is full of people that gave their lives for Christianity. Stephen's the first. And then there are other times where instead of having deer in the headlights, I've interacted with my neighbors and my friends and I've decided to seek Jesus with them. Guys, it has been bar none, some of the richest, spirit-filled, life-giving, soul-comforting, mind-renewing, life-engaging times I've ever experienced. Just this last week, just last night. Man, I went to Walport, got my hair cut. And I don't wanna to give any too, too many details about how many haircut places are there in Walport, but anyway, what? And the gospel was ripe. The, the people working there were hungry for it. And I began to preach and shit. I wasn't even preaching, I get my hair cut. I began to just talk. And God was ministering to people. See, God wants to use the church differently in this season. We might go back to gatherings on Sundays like we know it. I don't, I don't know. With a different mindset, a different heart. I guarantee you that. It won't be the same. But right now, church, pay attention. God wants to use the salt. Get it out of the shaker. It came at a cost. It is not ideal. It is unexpected and uninvited. And some of us could be saying, this is horrible. I can't believe this is happening. Really? Is it? Or is this amazing? Is this an opportunity for us to let the light so shine before the world that they would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven? Your neighbors, man, they probably won't see me. I'm not gonna let them cut my hair. I'm not gonna come over and talk, talk to your neighbors. They're gonna see you. The people around you, your kids, man, they might come to Sunday school, they're your kids. You get a chance to be the salt. So here's the deal, guys. Keep reading your Bibles, keep taking communion. Keep pressing in. This is, this is so fun. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, <laughs> listen, please. This is why you're watching. If you're not a Christian, okay, this probably isn't very fun. There's your, where's your redemption? Honestly, I'm just, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You need to be like these Samaritans who when Philip came, they believed. Become a believer today. None of this has taken God by surprise. He knows exactly what's going on. He has declared prophetically and powerfully that in the end days, he would pour out his spirit upon the earth and he would save people. All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the day of salvation. God is doing a new work and he's doing a work in the church and through the church. If you're the church right now, it is in you and through you and to him. That's what's going on right now. Settle into that. And if you're not a Christian yet, Jesus loves you. He made you. He died for your sins, and today you need to be saved and give your life to him. I'm gonna close this in prayer, so I want you right now, bow and close. You can hit pause if it's a post-service or whatever, and just pray with the people you're with. But I'm gonna lead us in prayer as we close. Father, in Jesus' name, we honor you in our country. We honor you, Lord, in our world. And we call upon you in a time of difficulty, a time, Lord, that is not ideal, a situation that's messy and we didn't invite it or anticipate it, and yet, Lord, we look to you. And we pray, Lord, for mercy upon the coronavirus spread. Just stop it. Stop the spread, Lord. Flatten the curve. Help the first responders and the hospital workers in Jesus' name, Lord. Help those who are fighting for their lives. Lord, we pray for those who've lost loved ones already and those who are reeling, Lord, from the effects. Lord, we pray for our economy. Help us to have that mindset to rebuild. We got this. We're in this together. I pray you'd use the church, Lord, even now. Men, women, if you're listening right now, you're the church, would you just right now nod? Nod and then say, yes, Jesus, use me. Use me, I'm the church. I'm like Philip, and I'm not gonna let my, my best friend Stephen's death be in vain. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let my light shine. I pray just nod into that. If you would just agree that God could use you Use your life, wherever you work. You work at Freddy's, you work at Safeway. Man, you, you work for the city, you're a school teacher, you're a bus driver, you're a cop, man. Whatever you are, say, yeah, use my life. Make opportunities for me. Would you just receive that? And if, if you're listening to or at a friend's house and you're not a believer, you don't know and you're scared. You're rightfully so, you're scared. And yet you see Jesus as different. You see him as, as a, a calm in the storm as one who would call you, if you're not a believer, but right now, you sense Jesus leading you to know him, he's calling people, this is what he's doing right now, he's shaking us up and waking us up, and if you would give your life to Jesus right now, would you just nod, just agree, wince your, just agree in your heart, 
Connect with God right now. Jesus, would you save people right now? Anybody and everybody watching this service right now who can hear my voice would be saved in Jesus' name. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is God and that he was raised from the dead, you're gonna be saved. Jesus said, I will in no wise cast out anyone who calls upon my name, who comes into my presence. If you wanna be saved right now, that's what Jesus does. Let him save you. It's what he does for you. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you continue to bless the churches, Lord, as they meet together and house to house, as we figure out what's going on, Lord. May we find ourselves walking nearer and dearer to you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done. Lord, we trust you. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, and help us to glorify you and do everything we do for the glory of God and the good of others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. I have no idea how long I went because there's no countdown timer here. I don't know what day it is, but I love you guys very much. Read the Bible. God knows exactly what he's doing. He's not caught off guard. He's guiding us and he's prepared us for such a time as this. Continue with the March Through the Bible program. Put your comments down below. Do watch parties. There's so many ways to interact with people on Facebook or Instagram. Guys, we're putting content out there as often as we can so we can connect with you. We do believe emphatically and firmly that God has prepared us for this and he's doing a work in us and he's doing a work through us. So. Do not be cast down, do not be overwhelmed. Stand courageously and lead. Rest deeply in him and pray and seek him like never before. I love you guys, God bless you. You can email us at southbeachchurch at gmail.com. Get a hold of us, let us know if you need anything, prayer requests or information, figure out what's going on. You can also go to our website at southbeachchurch.org. We have Instagram, we have Facebook, all that stuff. You can find out how to do all the things that you would normally do as a Christian there and interact with us. We love you guys, God bless you very much. We will see you on Facebook. And if I see you in real life, man, Elbows from six feet away. That's the new, that's the new thing. So I'm all about it. I love you guys. God bless you. Talk to you later.